1: Welcome back to the Mullooly Asset Management Podcast. This is episode number 191. This is Tim Mullooly. And Tom Mullooly.
0: And we're going to keep on going answering those questions that we've been getting from you guys on a weekly basis. Um, Some really great, unique, uh, interesting scenarios and questions about financial planning and investments and pretty much anything that that falls under our umbrella of expertise. Another
1: podcast that we both listen to would say, these are all fascinating.
0: Yes. (laughs) So let's jump right into the questions. We have a couple good ones for you today. So
1: the first question is about a 401k and getting a loan from a 401k.
0: Right. The question is, will I have to pay back a 401k loan with post-tax dollars?
1: The short answer, is yes, you will have to pay back a 401k loan with post-tax dollars. Think about it. If you could pay back a 401k loan with pre-tax dollars, why wouldn't everyone have the maximum loan all the time? Because they'd just be shoveling pre-tax dollars into their 401k plan as much as they could. Yeah. So you're always going to be paying back a loan from a 401k with post-tax dollars. I think the real question, though, is he said, will I have to, um, when I retire and start withdrawing the money, will I again be paying taxes on it? And that answer is no. Most
0: 401ks, when you take money, when you take a loan and you pay it back with post-tax dollars, that money is tracked. They can tell... Which money was used uh, to pay back a loan? Which is post-tax? Which is pre-tax? They should be able to keep track of that, so that you're not taxed on the money twice. Right. Because otherwise, it would seem very, you know, foolish to even more foolish to take a loan from your 401k if you have to pay taxes on it twice.
1: Right. So not every 401k plan in the United States has. The ability for participants to take loans so understand that if you happen to be in a plan that permits loans you're in a pretty sophisticated plan and they have the accounting software to keep track of your pre-tax and your post-tax additions and paying back a loan will definitely be a post-tax addition to your plan balance now understand that post-tax additions like the money you use to pay back a loan cannot be rolled over into an IRA after you retire. You're just going to get a check for that money. Right. Yeah, that's that's not going anywhere.
0: I think if you're if your plan offers you the ability to take a loan and you're unsure, um you can a good thing to do would just be to ask uh, the the plan if they keep, if they keep track of that. Uh, and because they should, and if they're not, you really should think twice about whether or not to take the loan.
1: One other follow-up question that I think I would say, if you're calling your 401k plan administrator, like Tim just mentioned, ask them what happens to the contributions. Do they go into the money market? Do they go into some core, some kind of stable value fund? How does what what happens to the actual dollars that you send in? In theory, that money should go in as you instructed them to allocate your paycheck, your pre-tax contribution. So if you have 50% going into some large cap growth fund and 50% going into a small cap fund, your post-tax contributions really should do the same thing but it's a good thing to find out yeah yeah let's let's uh let's let's move on to the next one
0: sure second question is how cautious should i be of retiring when i still have substantial debt on my plate
1: okay before we even get into the details uh tim how cautious should you be if you're retiring and you still have some substantial debt i would say very cautious if you
0: if it's substantial debt, I would think twice about even retiring yeah it's that's a scary thought you're not, you're not you're not working anymore so you don't have that paycheck coming in and you still have debt on your plate that you have to pay off. So very cautious would be my answer.
1: Yeah, let's go through some of the details. So sure. uh, this person writes in and says, I'm 66 years old with an, an- annual salary of about a hundred thousand. I'm thinking of retiring within a year or less. However, I'm very apprehensive because I still have a mortgage. That's OK. A lot of people retire with a mortgage. Right. Um, but I have a mortgage, two car loans. OK, that's a problem. A couple of credit card bills. Bigger problem. Bigger problem, totaling a debt load of about $330,000. Uh, Yeah, big sigh. Oh, boy. Uh, I expect to have 401k, pension, and Social Security to rely on as income. Uh, What do you suggest I do? Keep working. Agreed. Yeah, or plan to sell your house because I'm going to guess – that of the $330,000 that you have in debt, that a large amount of that $330,000 is your mortgage. And uh, it's unfortunate, but we've got car loans, you've got a couple of credit cards. I just want to give you some back of the envelope math. Really simple. Let's assume that none of these debts have interest rates. They're all zero. If you want to pay them off over the next 10 years, meaning by the time you're 76, you need to pay off $33,000 a year. That's almost $3,000 a month just using simple interest and paying it back over 10 years. Now, of course, all of these have interest rates. Tied to them. So it's going to be more than $3,000 a month if you want to pay it off over 10 years. And that's $3,000 a month just
0: to pay off your debts. When you're retired, you have all of your other living expenses and everything else as well. Yeah. And so it's $3,000 bare minimum, yeah. definitely more than that, including living expenses. And you're going to pay for it all with a 401k pension and social security. I sincerely hope your 401k is substantial right just like your debt
1: the other thing that I'll uh add and I'm not trying to be sarcastic but don't get sick getting sick I mean that having a serious illness is a big problem and and should be a big concern for people as they get older it's very very expensive getting sick so uh, hopefully you're in good health and uh uh, sit down with a financial planner at your earliest convenience.
0: Right. So moving on, uh, next question is, the writer asks, is it better to hold a REIT in a taxable account or a Roth IRA?
1: Okay, good question. Um, better to hold a REIT, that's a real estate investment trust, in a taxable account or a Roth. If you own a REIT, and let's just say that you're getting four, five, or 6% in dividends. And they're, they're technically not dividends, they're funds from operations. So if you're getting a higher yield investment and you're in a taxable account, understand that you're going to have to pay, you know, report and pay income taxes on the distributions that you receive from a real estate investment trust. So if you have something that pays a dividend and uh, you're going to hold on to it for a while, then you really ought to think about owning it in a retirement or some kind of tax-deferred account because you won't have taxes chipping away at your overall return. But there seems to be a twist to this person's question.
0: Seems like they they ask the question after they have already, they already have the reit in one of their accounts. They write, "I own a reit in my taxable Vanguard account. I was thinking of moving it to my Vanguard Roth IRA, okay. which on the surface sounds like a good idea. The only thing is, you can't do that. Right. It's well, it's not as cut and dry as you would think.
1: You can only you can only add cash." to retirement accounts. You can't take a position and move it from your taxable account into a retirement account. If that were the case, then I would take that those shares of Coca-Cola that I bought 35 years ago with all the taxes built up, and I would transfer that into my IRA. Wouldn't that be nice? Right, so you can't move positions, investments, into a retirement account When you're funding a retirement account you can only move in cash whether it's a traditional ira or a roth so So this person can and should
0: probably if they're going to own a reit should own it in a roth or some sort of tax deferred account but to move it from one account to the other they would have to sell the reit in the taxable account move the cash over to the Roth IRA, and then buy it back.
1: Right. So you, you got a couple of extra transactions in there, probably not what you had in mind. Sorry. Um, so
0: I think we're coming up on one of the last questions here. Um, the writer asks, what documents do I need to bring to a consultation with a financial advisor? And what should I expect to get
1: out of a consultation? We promise we did not write this question ourselves. (laughs) Uh, But this may be one of the best questions that someone could ask. If you're going to meet with a financial planner or an investment advisor, just like if you were interviewing someone to uh, to build you a house, you'd probably want to interview more than one. So I'll tell you, Tim and I will share um, what, you need to bring to a consultation, a first consultation with Maluli Asset Management. You don't need to bring anything.
0: That answer seems to surprise people a lot. We People ask, should I bring papers, statements? What should I bring? Should and, I bring tax returns? Right.
1: Should I bring my insurance
0: policies? If it's an initial consultation, just bring yourself. That's right, just
1: show up. So what we do, and not every firm does this, is we have what's considered a fit meeting as our first meeting. And that is strictly getting to know you. Uh, so we invite you to come into the office and sit down and meet our team. We want to learn about you. We want to learn about your situation. We want to learn uh, you know, about your experience with investments, with advisors. We want to know, as much as we can know, before we dig into any kind of paperwork and numbers, we want to know about you. And the other side,
0: you are going to want to know about us. And that's the flip side of that. We're going to tell you how we work with our clients and the services that we provide. And then once both sides have exchanged initial information, we see if it's a good fit. Right. On both sides. Right. Because our feeling is both sides need to want to work together for it to work as best as possible.
1: Yeah. So when I was a broker, um I don't know if Tim I've ever shared this with you, but uh when I was a broker, uh they used to have this this thing in the branch offices called Broker of the Day. Uh, back in the '80s, they actually used to call it "Man of the Day," which I can't do anymore. But uh, when you were the broker of the day, when someone called up the main number for the office uh, and they said, "I want to talk to a broker," you would get that call, and it rotated every day. Everyone got a turn, and occasionally someone would come in and say, "I want to talk to my, I want to talk to a broker," and you would meet that person and. A lot of times, people would be ticked off at their broker whose office was right across the street. They would get mad, upset, whatever, and they would march across the street or drive across the street and say, I want to talk to a broker. Understand, it it took me a couple of years to figure this out, but there were some clients that just lived for broker of the day because it was like, hey, if I get you know, two or three new clients a month, uh, then I'm going to keep my branch manager off my back and I'll probably get some new revenue and that's that's great. New assets, new revenue, that's, that's what they want me to do. So I'll just be man of the day. Um, understand that you're inheriting someone who is having a problem or has some kind of complication or they're just a handful to work with. Is that really what you want? It's not an ideal client. It's not. So what we do is we have this fit meeting, and we invite people who want to ask questions, want to find out about the, uh, about what we do. We want to find out about them. We come in, and we get to know each other over 30 to 60 minutes, um, talking with each other. And then we decide... Um, Sometimes it's at that meeting, but most times it's over the next day or two um We don't want them to make any kind of commitment on the spot, but uh we will you know decide if it's a good match for us and let the potential client know if it's a good match for them you know they can decide we can decide
0: right and it's a it's a big decision picking a, an advisor or deciding to work with someone. right? And we feel that we don't want to put anyone on the spot. And it's good to let people, you know, leave and let it marinate for, you know, a, a day or so. And our belief is if you're enthusiastic about working with us during the fit meeting, if it really is a good fit, you're going to be just as enthusiastic the next day or the day after that. Right. So then we'll give you a call, we'll schedule another meeting to come in and then we'll really dig into the paperwork and the numbers. Um but we that's our approach. So people are usually surprised when they call in and for an initial consultation and we tell them you don't need to bring anything, but Every advisor is different. That's just our own personal process.
1: And it, and it tends to work pretty well uh, for us, especially when we want to talk to these potential clients and you know, let them know that our, our approach and the way that we do business as a fee-only advisor and financial planner, planner is probably not something that they've seen at other firms, Um, we have a lot of comments that we get from people who say, I thought you were going to sell me something today. Um, sorry, we're all out of Dodge Caravans today.
0: (laughs) A lot of places. I mean, you can drive up and down the road here and four out of five people are going to try and sell you something. So it, it it is a little different when you come here.
1: You could be the, uh, the the square peg, but they're going to try and fit you into a round hole, and that's just not, it's not always a good fit. So, great question, Uh, and remember, if you've got questions, you're probably not the only one who's thinking about these kind of topics, so by all means, get in touch with us. We'd be happy to answer your question, and you may even hear it on a future podcast. So, thanks for listening to episode 191, and we'll, we'll see you guys on 192. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. Listen, I have a big favor to ask you, and it might take you 30 seconds or less, and it would mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, please let me know and let the team know as well. And you can do this very easily by subscribing to the podcast. It's probably the biggest favor you can do for me right now, and it's really simple. Just go over to iTunes, search for Maluli Asset, and click subscribe. Again, it'll only take a few seconds to subscribe, and if you subscribe now, it'll really help me out a lot. Thanks again.